Shalom and welcome again to Secrets of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. I thank you for joining us today. And if you'd like to contact us with ideas or suggestions, please feel free to email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. We are very, very pleased to welcome to uh, today's podcast uh, Rabbi Kerry Olitsky, uh, known to many of you, author, raconteur, uh, one of the 50 leading rabbis uh, mentioned uh, pioneer in Jewish outreach programs, uh, Big Tent Judaism, and Rabbi Deborah Bolden-Cohen, the Rabbi Beth Chai in Bethesda, Maryland, and the an editor at Berman House Publishers. And we're here to talk about a very, very, very interesting new book that's going to be published in August, I think by um, Ben Yehuda Press, if I'm not mistaken called Heroes with Chutzpah. It's a very, very different type of book. First of all, Deborah, Carrie, welcome. Welcome back uh, to uh, Carrie. Welcome, Deborah, to Secrets of Meeting. Hope you're well. Um, and nice to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. It's good to be here. Um, so um, Heroes with Chutzpah, uh, I, I, the title alone should uh, get some people to, to pay a lot of attention. Deborah, um, I'll t- this is a toss-up, but let me go to you first, Deborah. What was the motive? What's this book about? Heroes with Chutzpah. Is this a kid's book? Is this an adult book? Is this for young adults? Whatever that means. And um, what was what? How did this come about? It came about as a lot of books come about for me, which was um, thinking about my my own children. Um, there's a, a a book series out there that is called. Um, Bedtime Stories for Rebel Girls, which um, has short bios of women from around the world who have been really influential in a variety of different ways. And I could see how my daughter and my nieces really gravitated towards this book. And it's the kind of book that has longevity that kids start reading it when they're six or seven years old and they're still reading it when they're teenagers um, because the stories just have that sort of staying power with them. And as um, I was reading it with my daughter, um, I was thinking about the fact that there should be a book like this for, um, for Jewish kids feature Jewish heroes that they can look at and see themselves in and aspire to be. And um, I have two sons also, and I wanted my sons to also have role models like that. And so this was an idea that I'd been percolating for a long time in my mind. And then um, I mentioned it to Carrie one day, and I was surprised that without skipping a beat, he, he was ready to jump into this project. I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into, though. So, Deborah, you're, you're a, a, you know, a, as many of the people who are listening or watching know, you're a, a, an accomplished author. You've published uh, many, many books. Uh, you've won an award, National Jewish uh, Book Award. Your books have been translated into to, to many different languages. Um, this this is, is this a, de- a major departure for you? So, uh, you know, what, who's the target? Cause you just mentioned like your a door, a, a, a little, a, a little, a child could read this and then continue reading it through teenagers. 
is this being written to the, the audience for generations? It It's being written to have staying power for more than just a couple of years. Um, I would say that the target audience is probably starting at about age eight and going through maybe age 14 or 15. That might be a little bit on the late side, maybe 13. Um, the stories require a certain amount of maturity, some of them, because we're delving into topics that um, a very young child might not understand. Um, but there's also a variety of different people who are featured and different ones will resonate with, with children at different times. Um, each bio is only about 400 words. So, um, they're, they're really easy to, to read and digest and, um, to you know, to move on and read another one. So, Carrie, you you also you know published a ton of stuff, and and you've been on the Seekers of Meaning before with some of the works, and I I think you just published a book for Passover too, welcoming Seder story, and um, how different was this for you? Uh, you know, how did you, how did first of all walk me through how you guys managed because i think there's over a hundred bios in this book how in the world um did you begin the process of who made the cut let's put it that way walk me through that how was what was that process like for you it was an arduous process to determine who would be included and who would be excluded i think the first thing is that we didn't want a book of usual suspects so while there might be a few names and personalities that you would recognize, I think the vast majority of people whom we included, you would not recognize. Because these are people that would be, if I could use a cliche, un unsung heroes. People who did things that you may be aware of what the results were, but not who was behind them. So that was one thing. The other thing is, we wanted to make sure that there was a diversity included in the people that we included so that we have people from different walks of life, different career paths, different um, places in the world representing different kinds of Jewish community, different interests. We also wanted to make sure that the characters were attractive to the potential reader. So there are people from entertainment, there are people from science, there are people from sports. There are all kinds of people that are included. We were very careful in looking at each person. We wanted to make sure that they were 20th century heroes for the most part, that we wanted to make sure that <clears throat> their heroism was recognized by in one way or another, and that there were aspects of their personal life that didn't detract from their heroism which is another important characteristic that we had to look at um, when we were including them. And then we sat down and said, okay, we're only choosing a hundred. Who do we want to include? Recognizing that we could probably develop this into a series and include another hundred at some point in time. But this is the way we did it. I think an interesting part of it, if I may continue, 
is also the reactions that people had as we began to solicit publishers. And Debbie mentioned uh, the Rebel Girl series. Our experience was very similar in that the authors of the Rebel Girls approached publishers and had a great deal of difficulty finding a publisher who would take on the project because it's not only a large project, but each essay is accompanied by a portrait illustration, which Deborah actually did. And um, that meant that it was a much more difficult and expensive printing process. The Rebel Girls went a different direction in terms of taking it on as a self-publishing venture. We were lucky enough to connect with Ben Yehuda Press, who was willing to take on the project, which we can also talk about because it was a different kind of publishing approach that they took on with us. And what, and what do you mean by different? I mean, um, nobody wanted to make the investment in this project that Ben Yehuda was willing to do. But because it was, it's an expensive project to publish and actually to print, Ben Yehuda and we made a decision that unlike just soliciting pre-orders, like every publisher would do, we would solicit pre-orders in the form of a Kickstarter campaign. And so that's what we did. We crowdsourced or crowdfunded the pre-sales in order to jumpstart the cost of printing through Ben Yehuda Press. And that was successful. Yes, it was successful and it was concluded um, in February of this year. So the, um, and again, I'm glad you emphasize it. This is the, the heroes, quote unquote, in the book. These are not uh, Rebecca, Leia, uh, Ruth, Naomi. You know, these are people who, as you said, many of the adults and, and younger people who they'll know these names. But for example, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She made the she made the cut, okay. So, and by the way, I I saw one little blurb with the pictures. Deborah, did you do the did you do the art with the pictures or the bios, yeah. including yeah. yours and Carrie's? Yes, that's 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 pretty. I got to. How did you do that? How, how did is there a? I know nothing about art. So this yeah, is a, I. I- um, I sort of surprised myself with it. I've always been sort of artistic and I just um, kind of delved in. I used a variety of different um, digital programs to do oh, it. Oh, wow. Um, the Procreate on my iPad, um, Canva, um, different um, apps that allow you to sort of manipulate things. And um, I spent a lot of time thinking about what I wanted each portrait to sort of portray, because each one's very different from the others, and then worked through the different digital possibilities to get it done. That was um, last summer's project. Well, I want to tell you something. From what I saw, that's brilliant. But I understand, having seen that and what Carrie was talking about, how that would increase the production cost uh, as opposed to just printing you know words uh etc so congratulations it, and um very well done Thank you. i want to add bo- one part to that richie one of the hard parts of it also was not only to do the research on each biography and limit it to 400 words but also to find the photographs 
and artwork that would allow us to communicate through the portrait, the biography, and then get permissions to use all of the materials that we used in the photographs, in the art illustrations. That in and of itself was a research project. So, so you have a, a, a huge variety of people in this book, as you, as you alluded to. Some of them who are living, some of them who are not living. Um, so let, let's just take uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a blessed memory. So how did you, did you have to get permission from the family? Uh, how did you, you know, craft that 400 page, uh, 400 word, 400 page, 400 word uh, bio? Um, was there any family interaction? How did you do that? As opposed to, and we'll get to some of the others who, who are living. It, it really depended on who the person was. Um, a lot of the biographies, we relied on articles and interviews that we could find of the person and didn't have contact oh. with the family. In some cases, especially with the figures that are living, um, we did reach out to them and um, have conversations, confirm things you know, shared essays to get their feedback and their, their, their suggestions on it. And so it really depended on who the person was and how easy our access to them was. And also, as we were doing research, whether we had questions that would arise that, um, that we wanted to ask about and we wanted to know more about. I think one thing that's important about the essays is that we really sort of focus on what I am so sorry that is my dog. No, but that's uh, perfect, perfectly okay. Um, and that we sort of focused on what might be appealing to a young person about that per per person's life and what was it like for them to be a young person. What was it like for Ruth Bader Ginsburg to be? Um, you know, a high school student and, you know, top of her class. And obviously yeah, I think it's important to emphasize that the if these are not typical biographies, when the person was born, where were they born, all of those kinds of things. Instead, each biography is crafted around a particular event, and that event is designed in such a way that would attract the attention of the potential reader, since, as Debbie mentioned, the reader is 8, 10 years old, up to maybe 13, 14, and we wanted to attract them as well. And in some cases, we wanted to make sure that the child who was reading it would see himself or herself in the story itself. And in the wow. illustration, I mean, one of my favorite illustrations is the one that we recently posted um, for International Women's Month, where Rabbi Sally Priesen is in a portrait up on the wall, her ordination portrait, kind of in a gallery, and there's a little girl looking up at that uh, portrait, imagining herself as that person. And it's so we want we want the kids to see not only themselves in the words, but also in the portraits, also. 
That's cool. And, 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 and on that particular portrait, Sally Prezan is going to have her portrait in the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C. That's a big event this summer that's going to happen in July. And um, Michelle Obama, there's a famous picture of a little girl looking up at Michelle Obama's picture at the portrait gallery in Washington, D.C. And so it was kind of like there was that layer of, of meaning on it as well. Wow. That's, that's, uh, Sally was in my class. So I wonder how many of our, our other classmates will have our pictures in the National Portrait Gallery to figure yeah. that out. I have to talk to a couple <laughs> of friends of mine from our class. Um, so I, what, there's so many people that I have to ask you about let's just jump right in. How did you get, and how would, walk me through Bob Dylan. I mean, what was that like? Well, I mean, we didn't talk to Bob Dylan, although oh, that would right. have been a whole lot of fun. Um, it was, but we focus on the fact in the bio that Bob Dylan went to Jewish summer camp and he got his start as an entertainer standing on the roof of his bunk at his at what is it, Camp Herzl in Camp Herzl. Minnesota, putting on concerts for everybody, being a rock star right on the top of his his right. his bunk in at, 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 at Camp Herzl, which um, to a, a kid who goes to camp, that would be something that would really resonate with them, hopefully. Which no, I, I, I visited Camp Herzl this last May. And you and it was pointed out to me the exact cabin where he used to play. So it was pretty. It was pretty great. That's so. That that's why I wanted to ask is because you know people say, well, how can an eight year old who maybe never heard of Bob Dylan and might not listen to the, to his music? I'm just so that's that's because many of these kids will go to our camps or go to a summer camp, and they'll that that's. Um, I think also one of the ideas was to it, it to sort of foster intergenerational sharing and discussion that it could be something where if a child doesn't know about Bob Dylan, they read the essay, but then a grandparent or a parent can tell them a little bit more about it. And that hopefully by bringing some of these people to life, there could be that kind of communication up and back. Well, I can certainly see as a grand uh, as a grandfather uh, sitting down with my grandchildren and opening the page to Leonard Nimoy, and after we do live long and prosper, um, saying why is this man here and fostering a, a tremendous amount of Trekkie information. So, can you just uh, how, how did you handle uh, Mr. Spock? Well, we. He, he is certainly somewhat iconographic because of his role as Dr. Spock or Mr. Spock. Mr. And, Spock, yeah. Um, it, I, I think that we wanted to show that be, people come from different walks of life and heroism can be measured in the way they influence a particular generation or a particular time. It should be noted that there were also other kinds of people that um, – weren't represented the same way. So, for example, I had the pleasure of meeting many years ago a woman named Helen Zussman, who was in the South African Parliament. Um, it was the time where I was on faculty at Hebrew Union College, and we gave a humanitarian award to her because she was 
very responsible as a member of South African Parliament in defeating apartheid in the country and freeing Nelson Mandela. And ever since I met her, I was just taken by her work as an individual at times where she stood up against the entire country, or I should say the entire parliament when nobody was voting her way. And, I, and these are people that get lost in history. And yet she was really important in making the country the way it is today. And so I wanted to include people like that as well. So it should be noted that it wasn't people just like Bob Dylan, Leonard Nimoy, or folks like that, but there were people like Helen Zussman included as well. And you also, speaking of people who, you know, uh, right out of the headlines, uh, how did you get the bio and with uh, President Zelensky from Ukraine? Because that's obviously right, right out of the headlines. Zelensky is sort of interesting because when we started the project, um, he was barely known. Right. Um, Carrie put him on the list, and I, I'm not even sure how familiar I was with the name. And, you know, over a period of two years, he's gone from that to being, you know, Times Man of the Year. Um, and it was really interesting for us to just delve into articles that talked about his background and um, what he went through as a child um, living first under, um, you know, Soviet rule and then watching sort of the breakdown of the society around him when Ukraine became independent and then rebuilt itself is pretty amazing and really led to, to who he is today, the strength that he has. Um, and so we wanted to humanize him for kids so that they would um, look at the news and see somebody that perhaps they they could connect to and um, see on a, a more personal level. Yeah, you, 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 you do the same thing with uh, in the list of people there, Barbara Walters, who obviously represents um, a pioneer, a real pioneer in in. in uh, the broadcast industry. So, could you just walk walk us through a little bit about how how you approach Barbara Walters? You know, huge what fifty some years of ex broadcast experience all over the place. What was that? What was the hook for her? The hook for her was that she has a sister who was on the autism spectrum, and growing up. She spent a lot of time with her sister because of her family's um, business. They were in the, the nightclub business. They traveled a lot. And her sister became her, her closest friend, her closest confidant. And what it was like to grow up with a sister that had these special needs and that how that made her become a more sensitive person when interviewing other people. And also how her father's nightclub business allowed her to interact from a very young age with people who were famous and people that were well known. And so being famous held no special glamour for her. And it, she could look at people she was interviewing just as people and how that helped her along the way. Yeah, the, the, I think it's, a, I think that like that hook, because there's going to be a lot of, Young people who will read this book with a you know a parent or grandparent or by themselves, 
who will be facing those types of challenges in their own family of dealing with a brother or sister, a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, a mom or a dad. Um, I, and I think how you are approaching this is to quote, I think you use the term to humanize um, around something that is relatable to each each individual. Uh, that's going to really be the, the, the most unique, as I guess to use the word hook, for each one of these individuals. Um, it, this is going to be published in August. We're posting this in May. If somebody wants to like a preview, is there a website that they can go to to sort of like get a glimpse, sort of like a coming attraction? And, and if so, what would it be? Yeah, there, there are two ways of getting at it. One is there is a website, www.heroeswithchutzpah.com. And you can also pre-order at the Ben Yehuda Press website, which is benyehudapress.com. So there are two ways to do it. And if you go on to the Heroes with Chutzpah website, there's a, actually, there's a video component where you can see some of it. Some of the art is included, et cetera, and some of the sample biographies. So as you well have as some a, of the promotional work. And a link to the Ben Yehuda site. So you can go, you can be a one-stop shop. One-stop shopping. So you yep. have a hundred, hundred or so biographies. You ever have a thought of, eventually turning this into a video miniseries? Like, um, that has not crossed our minds. One of the thoughts that we have had is taking some of the biographies and spinning them off into um, picture books for even younger audiences and delving more deeply into, you know, individual stories. So, for example, there is a biography of Agnes Coletti, who is an amazing person. She's a gymnast who um, survived the Holocaust and went on to win 10 Olympic medals in her 30s um, because she missed the opportunity when she was in her 20s. She's still alive. She's 102 years old and living wow. in Budapest. Um, but We've written and are going to have published um, a picture book that's just a biography of her. And so that's one of the things that we've been looking to do. I, I just, I, as I was, you know, going through all this stuff and preparing for this, I'm saying, you know, this is, this has all the trappings of a Netflix miniseries uh, aimed at, you know, younger people that they, or whatever. I don't want to give you more work to do. Just, Plan a seed and plan an idea. The the um the heroes with chutzpah. Why the word chutzpah? We struggled for a long time with the appropriate title of the book, and we wanted it to be implicitly Jewish, right? But not a typical Jewish hero's title. And we believe that each person that we included demonstrated chutzpah in one way or another with his or her life. So, for example, you mentioned Barbara Walters. And while Debbie explained the kind of human aspect of her story, she also was a pioneer as a woman in the broadcast industry, the television right. broadcast industry. So that was her form of chutzpah. I mentioned Helen Zussman. Helen Zussman exhibited chutzpah in standing up to the parliament, which at the time was mostly male. So there were other aspects of it in which all of the characters that we included 
demonstrated one form of chutzpah or another. And that's what we believe made them heroes. And we should add that there's at the end of the book a, a form for a person to write in their own hor- hero. All and right. it could even be the child who's reading it himself or herself. I think also chutzpah has a little bit of humor to it. And we wanted this to have that sort of, you know, humor as part of it. Um, the, the last hero in the book is Mel Blanc, who, um, was the voice for, um, Bugs Bunny and a whole bunch of different cartoon characters. Um, and, and there are people like him in the book as well who have brought humor and, you know, joy to the world. And, um, we thought Putzpah, um, indicated that. One thing that hasn't come up yet in our, our discussion is the fact that there, the book has a lot of racial diversity in it. Um, we really aimed to have this book be reflective of today's Jewish community. So we have, um, you know, people of color in the book. We have Asian Jewish um, people represented. And we also have um, people of different gender identities in the book as well. And that was really important to us that we have that type of diversity so that um, that a- any child could pick it up and see themselves in one of the biographies that's in the book. One other point I want to make is that the the organizing principle of the book is also unique in that there's while there is an in, a biographical index or an alphabetical index at the end at the beginning the way we organize the table of contents is not in that kind of order instead it's the connection that one person has to another and so how one is connected to the other is how the book is organized and we take that kind of the Kevin Bacon 10 degrees of separation kind of approach to the book. Yeah. It's like a big game of Jewish geography. Well, no, I can see basically I, in, in, in an educational standpoint, I could see a congregation using this uh, as a textbook uh, to, uh, to really teach Jewish history, to teach contemporary Jewish community, to teach uh, contemporary Jewish family. Uh, all the things that you incorporate in in the diversity aspect of the of the heroes, um, and then also having a family or a congregation, a class, uh, conclude with you know, now tell me your heroes, uh, as you alluded to with the form. So there's all kinds. I think uh, as this book evolves and as you go out on the circuit, probably talking about this to to colleagues and congregations and Jewish community organizations. Uh, JCCs, preschools, there's a lot of opportunity to use this as an educational platform to to look at a snapshot of contemporary ideas of heroes, contemporary ideas of what chutzpah is, because that 10-year-old may need that type of affirmation as well about not being afraid. Look, look, look what this person did. Look what this person overcame this obstacle. Um, and look what they've done. So that's, I think, one of the great gifts that's going to be of this book, uh, Heroes with Chutzpah, to be published in August by Ben Yehuda Press. And um, 
Again, real fast, if somebody wants to get pre-order or take a look at this, what's the website that they would go to? Heroeswithchutzpah.com. Heroeswithchutzpah.com, and that connects you to the Ben Yehuda Press. So as Deborah said, one-stop shopping. Um, Rabbi Kariolitsky, Rabbi Deborah Cohen, thank you very, very much. This is, uh, I wish you, this is going to be a great, great contribution to the Jewish community. And uh, I'm, I'm, thank you for sharing with us as pre-publication and good luck. And uh, you're going to be very, very busy with, I'm sure, on the road, walking through congregations in the community on this book. So great idea. Thank you very, very much. Just stay healthy, everybody, and, and just uh, take care of yourselves. Thank you. Thank you thank very you much. Thank you Our pleasure. To all of you, thank you for joining us on today's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. And again, if you'd like to contact us, just email me at rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com. Visit the Jewish Sacred Aging Facebook page. And again, if you'd like to make a donation, tax-free donation to help support our work, just go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com. Go down to the conveniently located donate button and just follow the prompts. Likewise, just email me if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of some of these podcasts. Um, We again thank you very much, and we want to remind you that these podcasts are produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubetkin Media Companies in absolutely charming Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And we want to give a shout-out to our producer, Steve Lubetkin. Till the next time we see each other on the next edition of Secrets of Meeting, just stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy, and most of all, be kind to one another. Shalom, Todah.